so I'm new to this. So I am, I, I definitely am a, you know, not a spotlight person. I'm a worker bee. I'm the person that's, you know, researching and reading and drafting and trying to figure out solutions. But this is uh, very um, eye-opening. And I've entered it in, I've entered a race when, as you say, we're in coronavirus season, yeah. and pandemic, we can't do what we normally would do. So I'm obviously social distancing, trying to do as many things as we can um, by Zoom, um, by phone. And you know, you're, you're going to be meeting people, but I always want to be respectful and keep your mask on and stay six feet apart, but still try to engage and talk to people. Because I think that that's what the citizens of this county want. They want to be comfortable with who they're electing. They want to know who they're electing. So we're having to be really creative, George, and coming up with ways to introduce me to the community and um, get them get them comfortable and on, and on board. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Lehigh Valley Would Love podcast. I am your host, George Wacker. And today we have Lehigh County Judge Candidate Iman Jara. This is the last of our political episodes, at least for this cycle. Election Day is on Tuesday, May 18th. It's exciting. It's always fun to talk to politicians because it really talk you really have to talk about the community when you do that so these have been a pleasure this episode is no less pleasurable than the other ones i really want to thank uh iman for coming on she's a moravian grad which we get into and a lot of other stuff i want to thank my sponsors adventure x michael bernadin with howard schaefer and associates and the burke insurance agency we have a lot more this season, but this is our last political one. Political one, and uh, yeah, let's get to it. Thank you again. Here is Iman Jar. So it's always fun. Like I said um, before we started, I was researching you, and you're a Moravian grad, and it's always fun. People are probably tired of me talking about Moravian College, but I don't care. It's it's fun to find that. Absolutely, no. I love Moravian. I love Bethlehem generally, but absolutely. I'm a Moravian grad. I was a chemistry major at Moravian. Um, and I knew a lot of those. I never went into a chem lab. I've been inside of one, but not for a class. But I had so many friends uh, who were on the science track, yeah. So how do you go from being in a chem lab to um, becoming a lawyer? What was that? Give us a little bit of your story. I know you went to DRF High School, grew up in Allentown. You're currently in Emmaus. But what was, before we start talking about what you're going to be doing, how, what was that path? How did you get from DRF to where you are now? Okay, so I am, I'm the product of immigrants. My parents, um, I'm a first-generation American. Both my parents were born in Syria and came to the United States at a young age and had me, Iman, and then I was the mm -hmm. oldest. And then my sister, Diane, and my brother, Chad, you can see that the names got, became more Americanized um, and, you know, raised us with some really good values to work hard, do well, treat people, you know, the way you want to be treated, read. We were really taught to read a lot and, you know, went through the, the public school system, graduated from Deerhoff, and then wound up at Moravian where, chemistry was just always so interesting to me and it had a really great program, great professors and really one-on-one. -on -one. I shouldn't say one-on-one, -on -one, but the classes were small enough that you really right. got a great, great experience. Mm -hmm. I actually am a bit of a nerd. I graduated at the top of my class um, in chemistry and didn't even think about law school until I was speaking to my physics professor who encouraged me to apply and I thought, why not? So it was- So at the end of your senior year? Between so, junior so you, and senior year. Wow. 
wow. So you were like, and that's really interesting to me because I know those types of people who are at the tops of their, I was somewhere in the middle, at the tops of their class. That's, you know, that's all encompassing to how do you kind of make that shift? What was your thought process? I'm going to go into law now or what was it a little bit different? Or So I also, um, I, I don't have a minor in English, but I also love to read and love English. I took a lot of English courses, Brit Lit, American Lit mm -hmm. um, in college as well. So the science part was, you know, what I, my day to day, I spent so many weekends in labs. But when my professor suggested that I consider sort of merging the two, you know, writing and reading and research doesn't necessarily have to be in a laboratory. And I, mm -hmm. I researched it, I looked into it, and I thought, why not? Let's let's give this a chance. So I actually applied for to law schools, but I also applied to grad schools. And then I made the decision, let's do something different. Let's go to law school and see what that's all about. And what was it all about? Is it... <sighs> Just like when I think about going to law school, it's like I'm going to be a lawyer, but there's so many different facets of what you can do. When you were exposed to law school, then did you narrow it down more from there? Yes. So there are there are so many different the practitioners, general practitioners are sort of a, a, a dying breed. So there's very few lawyers that are the jack of all trades and master of none. Really, for the most part, you, you hone in on a focus. So I went to the University of Dayton School of Law and I wanted to focus on intellectual property because that would be a really good meeting of the minds with my chemistry degree and, and the law. And then I took, I just pivoted and I, I kept taking different turns. And right now I'm, I'm working uh, as a, a deputy county solicitor, so I'm not doing intellectual property, but I did, I mm -hmm. spent about five years of my career doing IP work. So law school is very different from, um, from undergrad and very different from being a science major and a, and a chemist. It's, it's a little bit of a shifting in mindset. It, it's, yeah, like it's so different, but it, like the way you're describing it, it's not, you're using those skills, you know, that you um, hone during your time in labs. And it's not so much of the end result of that lab as much as the, learning the process of how you get to the result. It, does that Absolutely. make sense? Yeah. It, it makes um, perfect sense. I actually think being a chemist, and people might laugh and say this is ridiculous, but I think that being a chemist helped ease the pain of law school <laughs> because, you know, I was used to studying really hard and coming up with a methodology and, you know, just applying it. And that is essentially, there's a lot of other components, obviously, to being a sure. lawyer, but that tremendously. And so you went into private practice for a little bit of time. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, um, I wound up with a local firm for about five years where the, my focus was obviously when you're an associate, you don't get to choose every, you, you take whatever work the partners give you. But right. I was, um, I, you know, I was the resident IP expert and I say that really joking. I learned a lot and I really learned mm -hmm. to think on my feet, um, to be independent, but I would advise clients on intellectual property matters, such as getting trademarks, securing copyrights, entering into licensing agreements, um, manufacturing agreements, distribution agreements, everything that you could think of related to you know, business and intellectual property, just sort of merging those two together. And that was really, it was exciting. It's neat. You get to work with artists and um, people that have really creative sides and help them reduce that to something that's protected and that, you know, they can make, um, make a living off of. And you go from that exciting world of IP 
to deciding that you want to work for the the county. <laughs> I mean, just, I'm just saying I'm laughing because it doesn't seem as exciting. We're going to talk about it, and it's very important. But that you know, was that a tough decision? Because it kind of seems like you're having some fun with it. It's and then to do what you were doing for the county is that's work. You know, it was a big pivot for sure. Being a private being in private practice has a lot of positives. Um, you know, you you are exposed to a lot of different exciting aspects of the law and you know people it's what it's not necessarily what you picture on tv but it's not that far <laughs> off and i just i had a call i felt like i needed to change gears a little bit and i wanted to do more boots to the ground work now i've been volunteering at a, a, some nonprofits, and i had advised some nonprofits as well when i was in okay. private practice and i just thought i want to switch gears a little bit and I wanted to do more, as I say, boots to the ground work, having more of an impact on um, the day-to-day -day and the citizens. The Lehigh Valley means a lot to me. I'm born and raised here. I'm raising my family here. And it's very important to me that this community grows and prospers. And I wanted to be you know, a meaningful part of that. And I thought this was a way that I could achieve that goal. And forgive me for not knowing the like hierarchy, but we're going to get into it. As a deputy county solicitor... Like, where does that fit? I know that you have the DA and then you know, is it within the um, within the office? There's lawyers assigned to various different things. So, so the DA's office is the criminal division of okay. um, government. And then there's the solicitor's office, which handles more of the day to day of county government. So my office, I'm a full time uh, deputy county solicitor, but we have some. Okay. Time. But my office represents all of the agencies that provide services um, to the constituents of Lehigh County. So we, we the board of commissioners, um, the county executive, all the human service agencies. That's really my, my focus. One of my focuses, I should say, farmland preservation. So we, we advise and counsel these agencies that provide services to older adults, people that have uh, mental health issue diagnoses um, or intellectual disabilities, um, farmland preservation is another big one that that's kind of important. Yeah, I want. Well. Can we talk about that? Like, how is your role as a deputy solicitor? How does that um, affect farmland preservation, or what is your role within farmland preservation on behalf of the county? So I represent. Um, I work with, and I've been with them for almost fifteen years. It's crazy to think about that um, with the farmland preservation board, and I assist them um, with the the process of obtaining easements. So they want to preserve our farmland and our open space. And I assist them with contract review, um, all these random legal issues that come up with preserving our farms and purchasing, the county will purchase easements um, to, to preserve farmland. Is that where, um, it's funny, I was up droning before it all snowed, but some of that farm area up in Northampton County and in Lehigh County is just breathtaking. Like it's amazing how beautiful it is. Is the issue okay. where someone, like a private company, would go to when a farmer is about to sell and they'll buy it? So then, I'm just trying to explain the role of what you know. Is that what what is happening? And then the county's saying, and this farmland preservation board, we would prefer you not to buy this land. We'd rather keep it for, mm -hmm. you know, so preserve it just in general or for other things. It's ultimately up to the farmer. So there's a place for everything. I mean, I look at it from the viewpoint, there's absolutely a place for business growth, but there's also a place for 
farmland growth. So when you when a farmer decides that they want to preserve their land, what they're essentially mm-hmm. doing, they're, they're saying this land is important enough to me that I don't want it to be developed. I want the future of this land to be um, farmland. And they enter into an agreement with the county, and that's what I help facilitate for okay. the for a promise essentially and it's more than a promise but that's you know, as basic as I can explain it to say that we're not we're not going to develop this land we're going to continue to farm it and there's some gorgeous farms out there so more is more of a preemptive thing in a way I mean I'm sure some of these can come up uh, a little bit more heated but so it's something where I could say hey I know that in my in my the future of my generation I don't want this land to be anything other than what it's been Right, right. So a farmer would say, I don't want my children or I don't want potential buyers down the road to convert this farmland into whatever. I want to keep it in, you know, in, in, uh, keep it green and keep it cropland or dairy farm or whatever. We have a ton of different types of farms. And then they apply. It's not an automatic thing. You have to apply and there's all sorts of um, regulations and uh, measures to see if your farm qualifies to be to be preserved. We have about 60, I want to say the last I checked, about 60 farms on the waiting list to be preserved. So it's not an automatic, wow. it's, it's a timely process. It takes about a year to 18 months to get a farm approved. From approval to actually settling, um, mm-hmm. it takes a bit of time. The Burke Insurance Agency is family owned and operated since 1986. What else happened in 1986? Haley's Comet flew by, and that was pretty cool. The Burke Insurance Agency is located at 3446 Freemansburg Avenue in Bethlehem Township, and they represent Erie, Grange, and Progressive Insurance Companies. Tom and Kathleen are some of the nicest people in the Lehigh Valley, for real. They actually get to know their customers and care for them as if they were part of their own family. It's how a small business is supposed to be. They are also community-minded and support many nonprofits, which they are very passionate about. Give them a call at 610-691-3743 or find them on Facebook. Everything, again, is in our show notes. Don't wait around like Haley's comment called Burke Insurance today. And now as you're moving, I mean, we're, we talked, we're not going to talk too much politics and we're not like, I'm curious about why, you know, you want to make the, the run for judge. What is it about uh, running for judge that is so appealing to you just as a person? I mean, why is that uh, something that you're aspiring to do? So a couple different reasons. So I love what I do. I, I say I have one, a great job. I get to work with really good people and I'm so grateful to all the county employees that help make our county such a wonderful place. But I, I just had a moment where, you know, the light bulb sort of went off and I thought, well, what can I do next? What, what can I do next sort of uh, grow and move forward in my legal career and also be impactful within the county? And my husband actually said to me, I, I think you should consider running for judge. And I had a two, I have a two-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. I had my kids a little bit later in life. I'm, I'm a lot older than I look. But um, I thought to myself, I want to set an example to my daughter and to all the other little girls out there that it doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, what your name sounds like, you can do it. And I, that really was a big driver for me. Um, I want to make sure that my children and everybody's children 
recognize and understand their own worth and know that they can do this, that they are capable. And you have to, it's, it's definitely something um, uncomfortable. You are absolutely going outside of the box, but you have to just push yeah. forward. Yeah, it's such an interesting position and I don't want to get too like weird about it, but it, it just a weird being a judge because it's one of those things we've been hearing about it in elections over and over again. You know, it's kind of like the, the buck stops here type of thing. Of course, there's appeals and all of that. Uh, but to be in that position is just um, interesting. Uh, what what does the court of common pleas, a judge of the court of common pleas, what is like a day to day? And you're clearly not one yet, but you, I'm sure you're aware you know, what is a day-to-day -day type thing for them? What types of cases are coming in for the Court of Common Pleas? This is probably something I should know, so if you could re-educate me. <laughs> so in Lehigh County, we have, there's nine judges on a, normal, okay. on a normal basis. So there's nine Court of Common Pleas judges is what we call them. And they're divvied up into a criminal division and then a civil division. And then underneath civil, there's a family and orphans court. So okay. what... What you would normally see on TV, like the law and order type shows mm -hmm. that you see, really deal mostly with the criminal division. Um, and we have judges that handle criminal criminal cases on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, the civil side is also maybe some stuff that you see on TV, med medical malpractice type cases, mm -hmm. um, you know, automobile accidents, that, that sort of thing. And then my focus, which is what I've been um, primarily focused on, is sort of the orphans court branch of things which deals with, um, and hopefully you and nobody you know ever have to deal with any of these areas, but um, helping um, these agencies prevent and um, limit and stop abuse, neglect, and exploitation um, of our vulnerable citizens. That's part, part of what I do. It's tough work. It's emotional work. Um, you know, some days I come home and I think, wow. Yeah. Um, it's it's but it's it's it feels good to be part of a process that is moving forward in a positive direction and that is really helping really helping people and i know we're having fun but you know it, it is something to think about there are people who need advocates and you know it's we have the privilege i have the privilege of talking to you and we're putting on a a fun podcast uh but there are those in our community our neighbors who you know rely on the advocates in our community. So it is tough. And it's something that, you know, I going on this and taking under this role and, and wanting to even, you know, pursue being a judge says a lot about a person. And, um, you know, I wish you luck in that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to talk about you. You live in Emmaus now. What's some of your favorite things about living in Emmaus? I always joke, my friend, Chris Elston lives there. I'm not sure. I, I say it like you should know him. Um, <laughs> But he has a photography business in Emmaus, and we always joke about meeting at like the triangle there. Um, oh, you should need to do that. And so what like what is it about Emmaus that you love so much that you and your family have settled down there? So the walkability factor for me is huge. I love the fact um, that we can walk where we need to get to. And there's so many cool small businesses and shops. There's the farmer's market. We go to the farmer's market when, when the weather permits. We, we can actually pop the kids in the stroller and just go down to the triangle and, you know, get produce and meat and you know, a donut. It's really, it's really nice to be able to sort of connect with your community that way. And it's big enough that there's some really cool places that you can hit. And it's small enough that you know your neighbors and you, know, you, can, get, you can get where you want to get.
easily. And I'm sure it still is. I just remember, it, I think it was either the mid 2000s or like 2010 and Emmaus kept popping up on like the best small town to live in in America for a couple of years. And I think they were getting all snooty about it um, in a good way. I'm kidding. It, it's, you know, it's one of the nicer towns and it's one that I think flies under the radar sometimes just because, you know, they're not trying to make a big thing. It's, it's just, hey, we have, all, we have all these things and we encourage you to come out. I know their ice festival is always a big hit. I guess they probably couldn't have it this year or the it's, ice ball. It's, it is a really, really neat town and yeah. there's all sorts of um, activities that go, that go on and you know, I, I so when I say walkability, I went to Moravian, oh, yeah. obviously, and right. you know what it's like. Downtown Bethlehem is a favorite spot of mine. My husband actually is a transplant. He's not from Pennsylvania. He's not from this area. And he lived in Rhode Island for a bit. And that was a really walkable town, Providence. And when we first mm -hmm. started dating, I took him to Bethlehem and he was amazed at the the restaurants you know the fact that there's tables outside and people are eating and talking and walking and just the arts and the culture and mm -hmm. i think this is you know maybe not quite the same as bethlehem but um for me it was i don't right think they point. want yeah i don't think emmaus wants to be like emmaus is what it's that small town charm instead of maybe like the big restaurants you have the cafe type you know that's the thing i think about it's americana it's, but it's a lot of really cool um, mom and pop shops, really mm -hmm. good coffee places to hit. There's a, there's a couple really, really good coffee places that, you know, I can't not go in every time we, we walk by. And, it's, and it's, it's, there's, oh, sorry, there's a drive through Yakos down there too. I'm pretty yes, sure. There is. <laughs> On the way to Blackman Cycle down there. Yeah. We love, we love hot dogs in our family. So we are uh, <laughs> very familiar with, uh, with the Yakos and with the pots. There's also a pots. Um, I don't know if actually yeah, I, yeah. I, I have to ask because I have a four-year-old and we I'm not speaking for my wife but I'm pretty sure we are done we're gonna have one um, have you ever employed any of your uh, legal tactics on your children like when they're they're fighting because that would they be like smart. the first thing if I can if I could use this power on them they are to help smart. them figure it out I can <laughs> I'm sure you know with your four-year-old, it is amazing to me. And you can probably hear them a lot. I can hear them now, yeah. They're, they're, of course, they heard. They knew. It's like they have this yeah. six months. They know, they know when um, when I mention their names and when they need to be on their best behavior. They're sometimes on their best behavior, but not not always. Well, they are They're two years apart, not even. Um, they're mm -hmm. 18 months apart, I should say. So they're close enough in age that they love one another and they play with one another, but they fight constantly. Sure. And, you know, I, I do and, my best, but. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, considering during, you know, the times now where we've all had to spend a little bit more time together than we would have, the fact mm -hmm. that they're getting along is good. It's funny, you talk about kids being so smart. My, we have Alexa's all in the house, I don't care. And you can announce to other rooms, you know. I can uh -huh. say something in up here and I can announce it. And once our four-year-old figured out how to make that happen, she now makes Alexa announcements like constantly and I want her to enjoy it, but I'm like, Hey, when we're talking on the podcast, can you just keep down? You know, you don't have to tell mom, you just went to the bathroom every time, even though it's helpful. And thank you. Has she figured out how to drop into a room? Because my son loves doing that. He, we have <laughs> no. two and he does that all the time. And it's. Well, they fun. have my, um, my niece, so her cousin lives in Portland, Oregon. She's six. My daughter's four. 
but they do the um, Facebook Messenger. And what's good about that is we control all of it. And she can only they can only message each other. But that's been fascinating because like she'll put the phone up and they'll kind of play together and they'll show each other what they're doing. And it's totally normal to her because she's never seen anything different. So sad in a way, like I'd rather her be around kids and having fun, but I'm like, it's still, you're still communicating and we can work with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. My kids love, you know, I would be dishonest if I say, Oh, they're not on there. They don't <laughs> like iPad. They don't like, they do. I mean, they, but I'm also trying to push on them. And I'm sure you do this. You and your wife do this with your daughter too. For me, it's a love of reading. I'm trying to get yeah. them active and I feel bad for them because they're cooped up at home all day and I want them, you know, to have activities and we, we try to get out a little bit. Yeah, I don't pretend we're the best parents in the world, but my wife reads, it's at least three books every night. It's their routine. Huh? You know, they don't go to bed without reading books to the fact that my daughter's like picking out books ahead of time. And that being said, they were playing, they downloaded this new video game that's really aesthetically fun and they've been playing that together, you know? And so it's, I don't know, like I, I kind of take the the good with the bad and as long as you're doing the right, if your intentions are good, I think generally you're doing well. I, I guess it's good to know you're not trying to manipulate your kids with the lawyer no, speak. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I, you know what, I, it's funny because they um, they pick up on things very easily so my sure. son will repeat and i thought i think to myself how the heck did he hear, hear that he hear that word from and they're sometimes they're legal words and sometimes <laughs> they're other words and um okay. but it's it's wild to me how they're sponges and they um you know they they amaze me on a daily basis and for me you know being a working mom working full-time I'm like, they, they're so important to me. And I just, I want to make sure that I'm raising, you know, these two amazing creatures that are going to be wonderful contributors to society. And I think sometimes it's hard, you know, you're, you're balancing all of that. Oh. And you say like overwhelmed me with that thought. It's so, <laughs> it's so scary. I get it now. Like I used to make fun of parents. Like I used, you know, they'll be like, you, you don't know until you have a kid. I won't say that to anybody, but I, I feel bad if I ever, came back and like I knew it because it is it's a scary proposition to be like I'm responsible we're responsible for her not just her safety but what goes into her head and you know exactly exactly but it's so cool and in the same respect yeah. as tough because, because my husband and I talk about this all the time it's an immense responsibility but it's yeah. so cool like this person and you see how interesting and smart and just different different they are and how, how different they are from one another and how different they are from us and similar to us and it's it's awe inspiring it, like, it changed my like entire outlook if you knew me prior to this you know having a daughter just totally uh, i woke up one day i was like what have i been doing you know i you have this gift and you know you gotta figure it out so it's been it's been a a wild ride especially the last year i'm sure for you too speaking of that as we go into this you know election day is may 18th you know too long um how is this for you you we had mentioned you're like hey i'm not the most spotlight person and that's fine you know i don't think a judge has to be um but how is the election going to be for you especially during covid too you know it's it, you can't knock wow. on doors as much as maybe you would have you know last year or the year before that how has this process been for you it's definitely been challenging. So I'm new to this. So I am, I, I definitely am a, you know, not a spotlight person. I'm a worker bee. I'm the person that's, you know, 
researching and reading and drafting and trying to figure out solutions. But this is uh, very um, eye-opening. And I've entered it in, I've entered a race when, as you say, we're in coronavirus season yeah. and pandemic. We can't do what we normally would do. So I'm obviously social distancing, trying mm -hmm. to do as many things as we can um, by Zoom, um, by phone. And, you know, you're, you're going to be meeting people, but I always want to be respectful and keep your mask on and stay six feet apart, but still try to engage and talk to people. Because I think that that's what the citizens of this county want. They want to be comfortable with who they're electing. They want to know who they're electing. So we're having to be really creative, George, and coming up with ways to introduce me to the community and um, get them get them comfortable and on, and on board. I have a question. I don't know if you know the answer. I just thought of this. Is Lehigh County, are their court systems doing any virtual type stuff or? Like, Absolutely. Then it was different than prior COVID? Absolutely. Um, so pre-COVID, I mean, I, I go to court very regularly and, you know, there was a process and it used to be, depending on who the judge was, you know, there's a, something that's called the call of the list. So you go and there's a bunch of other attorneys and you wait your turn and other instances, it's a dedicated time slot, but either way, you're, you're down there, you're physically in the courtroom engaging with people. Well, of course, right. now with the pandemic and, you know, this wonderful IT world that we have available to us, we have been able at Lehigh County to have a lot of um, hearings and other conferences and status calls occur over, over Zoom. And it's unbelievable huh. to me. So it's, it's really cool. It, there's pros and cons. I mean, there's something to be said right. for physically being there and, you know, engaging. I just think it's interesting because I think without COVID, this was inevitable anyway, like the rise of video networking. And, but I think mm -hmm. because of COVID, it made, somebody said this, I didn't, it's like it made change that would have taken five years in one year. You know, we all had to get, it wasn't like we had to get good at it. We, because of it's good for you, you had to do it for self-preservation. Like you needed to know how to get on a meeting and all that. And it's interesting when you have to do it. You know, I'm curious what happens in, after this. Absolutely. And I wonder about that too, because I um, I present sometimes at our local bar association and I do trainings at work for our, um, our caseworkers and our social workers. And that was all, again, pre-COVID, you do it in person, you get to engage with the audience. And we've had to hit the ground running and set things up by Zoom. And it's interesting. I mean, there's always a little bit of a bumpy bumpy way but it's I've, i'm so surprised and pleased it's worked out it's worked out really well looking for a bigger home find mike looking to downsize find mike looking for a home in the poconos find mike looking for your very own bat cave find mike when looking to navigate the lehigh valley real estate market the first move is to always find mike bernadin with howard schaefer and associates of remax real estate he can help you build the right game plan to achieve all your real estate goals whether it be a home with 10 bathrooms, a home with a large garage to park your Tesla or vintage Ford Pinto, or just something perfect for you and your family, finding Mike Bernadine is always the best way to go. So, what are you waiting for? To make all your Lehigh Valley real estate dreams come true, all you have to do is find Mike Bernadine with Howard Schaefer and Associates of Remax Real Estate. This is, if you're the judge, you have to make sure you don't mute yourself. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> uh, did you see the lawyer cat? No, I Did didn't. You, you didn't see the lawyer cat? Oh my God, hold on. Let me see if uh, I can bring this up here. Uh, I don't believe you. 
I, there was this, if I, I, hopefully I can do it and share this with you. Please. Hold oh, on. I hope so too. <laughs> Wait, I'm waiting for the, this came on. It was one of those um, things that genuinely was so hilarious. I shared it with everybody. Like you don't usually find them. Hold on. Okay, let's see. I don't know I that I've seen it. I, I'm surprised. And usually, whenever whenever there's anything that has to do with a lawyer, he usually says, "Here, look at this." Right. But hold yeah. on. Can you hear that? Do you, can you hear, hear that? I can see it. No, but I'm going to send this link to you. Absolutely. Hold on. Let me see. Don't worry. If this gets weird, I can always edit it out. Um, <laughs> man, you're going to have to. I'm going to send you this link when we're done. Okay. So I'm going to set the scene for you since you can't hear it. So this, they were in a, you can see it here. Third is a Texas court. Oh, my God. And I did see, did I you did see this? See. And so, yeah, they're up here. And um, this guy's one of the lawyers. And the judge is like, hey, you seem to have a filter on. And he's the filter. So as you're watching it. He couldn't get rid of the filter. He couldn't get it. I'll send you the link. I, actually, I, I think I saw this on the Daily Show. That's where when you yeah. said the lawyer. And I, you know what? And now that you say this, I didn't realize that that was a lawyer. That Yeah, that that's why was it was so funny. If you, yeah, if you listen to it, he says... Um, he says something to the effect of, it's a filter, my assistant, we can't get it off. I'm not a cat. Uh, I'd like to proceed. So, like, he couldn't figure it out. But he's still like, you know, I'm here. It's me. Let's go on with the court case. So, that's, you know, hopefully you'll get some of those once in a while. If, if you do get elected, that'd be funny. <laughs> well, I think that that is, um, while not ideal for that poor lawyer, sure. I'm sure that everybody, that made everybody's day, really. Assuming that it was well, they, a, a straight matter. It, it was. And if you saw on there, I did it really quickly. It said screen sharing of this is illegal, right? Like you can't do it. It turns out that the court itself uploaded it because they had a sense of humor with it. So nobody's breaking uh, the law. <laughs> I'll have to be careful. My nephew who frequently calls me and I learned this recently, like there's when you're FaceTiming or Google doing something, yeah. you can get like a, so he'll, he'll want me to like, tap on the different yep. um, basis. So I'll have to be very careful, George, that I don't do that the next time that I... Uh, that I I'm think it's inevitable because now there are... Yeah, those filters are on everything now, so there's no way. At least they're generally... It's just like you some cat ears or something, so you should be fine. <laughs> but, Iman, yeah, thank you so much. This has been great, and I've learned more. This is my goal with every one of these now is to learn more because um, I think that, you know, again, we take things for granted that we don't... I don't want everyone, unless you're working in the field, to go see a judge. It's not good to see a judge often. You probably aren't around the best friends. You know, you want to, um, but it's interesting to note of the things that are going on in our community that maybe sometimes we don't realize, especially the things that maybe are hard to talk about and deal with people who, like you mentioned with orphans, who can't really advocate much for themselves. So. We wish you the best of luck. This has been so much fun. And for a fellow hound as well. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Go Greyhounds. Yes. I want to make sure it, uh, the all of the stuff is in the notes, um, the show notes, but it is jaraforjudge.com. Mm -hmm. 
from yes, Wolverine. Yes, it is. It's www.jarrafordjudge.com. That's where people can talk a little bit more about me. Absolutely. Okay, sit tight. Don't don't run off here yet, but we're going to end this. And thank you very much. Thank you, George. Thank you again to Iman for coming on. I appreciate all of our political candidates who've come on this season. We wish them all the best of luck. Um, and we uh, are going to get back to a lot of other things. Look for some more Allison, take it from a local with Allison um, episodes. We're looking for a lot of fun stuff coming up this season, going into the summer. And yeah, that's about it. Thank you to our sponsors, Venture X, Michael Bernadin at Howard Schaefer and Associates, and of course, the Burke Insurance Agency. We will see you next time.